0: So, hello and welcome. My name's Steve Nibel, and today I'm speaking with Yvette Rose on her book, Metaphysical Anatomy, Your Body is Talking, Are You Listening?, Now Yvette is an author, life coach, trauma release practitioner and personal development teacher and she strives to support people in their healing journeys. She's best known for her work in helping people resolve trauma from their past and freeing them to live successfully fulfilling lives. Uh, She's the founder of Metaphysical Anatomy and is the author of a book by the same name and her website is metaphysicalanatomy.com. So hi Yvette.
1: Hi, Steve. Thank you so much for having me, and hello to everyone that's listening. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: Now, vet, you're living an exciting, adventurous life. You're globe-trotting, traveling all over the world. Can you just say something about your journey of how you came to work in this field?
1: You know what, Steve? My life, as you said right now, it's fantastic. It's amazing. I have lived in 42 countries, traveled there, worked there, everything, and that includes teaching the person development seminars. However, I must say that it hasn't actually always been that way for me. I did have, you know, a challenging childhood because every time when people ask me, so, Evette, you know, what qualified you to do what you do, and I, and I, <laughs> I would always say, you know what, my childhood qualified me because I am where I am today because of challenges that I faced in my childhood, and I and I have to give my dad so much credit, you know, because of the challenges that we both went through because we had a very, we did not have the, um, as you would say, like the best relationship, and. My dad challenged me in every aspect, <laughs> emotionally and psychologically, that you can probably imagine. And so what I learned from him was, despite the adversity, despite the attacks, despite the the rejection, ultimately what, what is left is you. And that aspect of you that is left, you have to love that and come to learn to nurture that. Because I learned that we end up treating ourselves the way that we allow people to treat us. And with my dad, that was exactly what happened. You know, we had a back and forth war zone, Star Wars, if you want <laughs> <Right. laughs> bring humor into that, right? So that's pretty much what it was like. And what my dad really taught me was, despite what it is that he thought or think about me and telling me, you know, you'll never achieve anything. You'll never be successful. You will wipe vomit off the floors. I just made a video called, you know, the psychology of um, successful people and what drives them. And one of the things that I realized what my dad did was, it was so amazing, was that because of his, you know, the rants and the challenges that he put me through and that, you know, the experience that we had was a big, huge, huge movement behind my success. However, what I learned was that I needed to change the reason why I wanted to become successful. Right? So why did Yvette want to improve her life? Why did Yvette want to become a better person? Why did Yvette want to just, you know, not be the person that she used to be? And why did I classify myself as not being good enough to fit in with society? And ultimately, where all that boiled down to was me giving my power away to the, to the um, relationship and the dynamic that I had with my dad you know, my dad was an alcoholic, he was a drug addict, he was a self-medicated person, just to give you a bit of a slight background there hmm. without going too much into it. But what I learned from him was that you can achieve whatever it is that you want, despite the the negativity, despite the people around you that don't believe in you. Because, you know, when, when I started my, my journey, just, just like probably six months just before I started my journey, I realized that you know, I'm so unhappy. Nothing in my life is working. Mm. Yet I have the success that I wanted because I I did work very hard to prove my dad wrong, to prove myself to my father. And um, I did achieve the success that I wanted well before the age that I intended to. I, I was 19. And I realized that the foundation that I built my the so-called perceived happiness and success on was coming from a place of pain.
0: Mm. It was
1: coming from a place of anger. And it was coming from a place of resentment and and revenge. And so I realized that everything that I'm trying to build and that I am building at that time, 10, 10, 12 years ago, it's not going to be sustainable. Because I realized that I needed that anger. I needed the resentment. I needed the frustration in order for me to propel myself forward to say, yes, I can do this, I can do this, because what I did was that I turned my pain and my trauma into something that used to be destructive. And in my head, I thought it was constructive back then. But what I actually, <laughs> what I did was just take pain and I transformed it into something else to propel me forward. However, it was not in a positive and, and the gentle way that I needed it to be so that I can sustain it long-term. What happened, everything collapsed. I emotionally and psychologically collapsed. And I started reaching out to substances and alcohol and cigarettes exactly the same way as my dad did. And I sat there one day and I and I was supposed to go to the office and I just looked at the ceiling and I was about to grab for my cigarettes on the side of the bed. I was in Australia at the time, in Brisbane. And I was staying on 17 acres, you know, tennis court. I had the jacuzzi, swimming pool, whatever you want. Like I was 22 years old and I had all that. And I just looked there and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Mm. I can't live my place from pain anymore because yes do I have success absolutely but I couldn't feel it I could not emotionally embrace it because it because of the psychological and emotional price that I had to pay for that and that is why and I realized that you know what there's people around me that's happy what are they doing that I'm not there are people that's happy they exist but I'm not one of them Mm. so what is it that they're doing every day that I'm clearly failing to do that could ultimately change my life. And you know what, Steve? I woke up, I grabbed my cigarette. And back then, I I was an alcoholic already because I couldn't deal with the work pressure because I was doing three people's jobs at the same time because Mm -hmm. I strategically made myself um, indispensable to the company so that they couldn't fire me because they needed me Mm -hmm. because my performance was so great. And I knew I was good at what I did. But it came at a price, right? So I remember I was sitting there and I had my cigarette in my My fingers, and I I didn't even draw on the cigarette. Like, it was just sitting there. I already had my, you know, my double shot of vodka there in the morning at 8 o'clock. And I was just like, office, listen, I'm not coming in. Don't expect me. I need to do something. Because for me, that was a turning point. For me, that day was you either, you end your life, just cut it, call it quits. Just end it. Let it go. Just call your life a failure and that you've tried what you tried and it didn't work. Or you can take your power back. And take your power back from your past, take your power back from everything that you've been fighting against, and turn it around. And that is the decision that I made that day. I, I chose to turn it around. Mm. So I'm sitting there with this cigarette and the and the ash, I remember it literally went right to the filter like without even flicking it. Like it, it was just this long little ash on, on the on the cigarette. And you know what I did, Steve? I looked at Google and back then we had, you know, we, do you remember we had these big computers? With these I do. Big, right? That's what I had. And I sat there and I opened up Google and you know what I did? I typed in how to be happy. I typed in how to be happy because everyone around me was happy. So, okay, well, that's great. But how do I do that? And something that can seem so simple can sometimes be someone else's biggest challenge and that for me that was my challenge so i googled that and that is where my journey started that is i found a personal development work all these things and angels and that and that and i'm sitting there and i'm from a christian background which i which i'm not anymore because it's something that i you know i kind of chose to make you know life itself my own religion but for me to digest that was really hard Mm. and i said like angels Psychics, these things, that things. Like, are you serious right now? I have to believe in this <laughs> You mm. know, in order to find my happiness. And, I'm, and I was at a point in my life where I'm like, where I just thought, you know what? If that's how it's going to be, done. Done. I'll do it. I'll believe it. I'm going to wing it. I'm going to make this work. And that's exactly what I did. Mm. So, just jumping from one modality to another until I couldn't find something, you know, you kind of hit that plateau phase, right? Where you find. Yourself, you know, I've tried everything, but it's not working anymore. I got great results, but I'm not getting results anymore, and I hate that plateau. And that is when I started designing my own modality that worked for me. Hmm. And when I realized, like, oh my god, this is fantastic. This is working for me. Let me practice this on other people and see if it helps mm. them. And it did. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, oh, my God. I think I just created something really awesome and fun that I can share with other people. So that's a very long story compressed, like yeah. sip-
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I had to look at the book. It's got so much information in there. It's packed with information. Can you just say something I about that? No, you're fast-forwarding. It's a metaphysical anatomy. You've written this amazing book. Your body's yes. talking. Are you listening? What is the kind of basic premise of this work? The
1: premise of this work is about looking at the psychosomatic patterns that we all share because, because I've traveled to more than 42 countries worldwide, and that includes teaching there. Ultimately, what I noticed and learned and started compiling was that it doesn't matter if you're from India or you know Hong Kong or Canada or Alaska or Russia or South Africa or South America. It just doesn't matter. Ultimately, collectively, we all share the same psychosomatic patterns for different ailments, and that fascinated me so much. I just sat there. And I'm like, wow. There seems to be a like an emotional collective consciousness that holds this you mean, if you want to call it the Akashic Records or whatever it is that you want to call it, that just holds these memories and these patterns for everyone collectively across the globe. And I thought, well, how can yours in Hong Kong be the same as someone in India that's struggling with cancer? How can you both be complaining about the exact same thing in your life that's that thorn in your side? How, how does that work? Hmm. That is what fascinated me. And so I started compiling all this work And the reason why I wrote the book was because I got tired of people asking me all those questions and it was emotionally draining, but then I felt conflicted because I so wanted to answer that question. So I compiled everything in a book and that's how metaphysical anatomy was born. And so when I was writing the book, I, um, you know, I was looking at it and I'm thinking, okay, how do I write this without reinventing the wheel? Because I'm not about reinventing the wheel. If something's been done and so it is. So I looked at what's out there and what's missing. So metaphysical anatomy is compiled of all those aspects of the psychosomatic pain and elements and, and points to look at and heal that has not been mentioned before. And that's how the book started. And it's all about looking at the epigenetics, the, the consciousness, how our ancestors play a role in what develops in our life. Because, I mean, we, we really have to be naive to think that whatever it is that we are experiencing and feeling is the first time that we're experiencing that well it's not you know it's it's the same as when you look at the, a springbok or a buck or an antelope in the in the forest if it sees a bear it knows that it needs to run if it's a little baby and it's never in its entire life seen a bear it will know that it needs to run but it doesn't run when it sees other antelopes programming I mean, that's a hardcore instinctive programming into in that antelope body it's not just humans it's it's everywhere it's called evolution
0: let me ask you, Yvette, about this ancestral issue because um, I mean, I certainly come across it before in terms of shamanic training, but not from your angle. Okay. So in terms of illness, how can the ancestral thread, if you like, affect you know illnesses like heart, cancer, all this whole range of things? What is the kind of impact of, of ancestral patterning and where does it begin and what can we do about it?
1: Okay, so number one, where does it begin? So, I mean, unfortunately, we do not have a record or... Like a video camera that we can, you know, backtrack on and see what happened to our ancestors. However, the good news here is that the fact, say for example, someone had heart problems. Yeah. First of all, what you would be looking at is you, you'll be looking at the pattern where someone's territory has been invaded, where someone has been struggling with the high levels of stress. Which I know, I know people, a lot of people say that you know the the heart's all about giving and receiving love. Absolutely. But what I've noticed in metaphysical anatomy is that the heart has a lot to do with actually how you feel about the people that's in your environment and how you receive them and how they receive you and how you respond to that. When you look at someone, for example, with heart problems and you look at the predisposition of that, look at people that's been, for example, in the in ancestry, in family dynamics or environmental you know, situations where they're... Their immediate environment has constantly been challenging their free will, their ability to be and just be themselves, their ability to establish their sense of self and their identity, and their ability to actually establish their boundaries. So, mm. when you look at people that's had heart failure, that has heart problems, there's a lot of them that's going to be sitting and going like, "Oh my god!" Because if I have to ask you for someone that has, for example, heart problems, do you know what it feels like to live your life and not fight for your space and to not fight for you know, someone else's right and to not fight for something that it is that you want, whether it's emotionally or psychologically or something within your immediate space. Mm. It'll be like, wow. And I, and, and that will definitely struck, strike a chord with them because now, and taking it back to the ancestry, there's already a strong pattern for that, right? Mm. So, someone in the ancestry has already been experiencing this pattern. Now, what's happening is that, If that pattern in the ancestry is repeated enough, what happens is that when you are born, you already have a very strong, oversensitive predisposition for that. So that means what can be upsetting to me, causing me heart problems, could mean nothing to you. Mm. And the reason for that is, is because I have an oversensitive predisposition for that in my genetic DNA lineage, but you don't. That is why we respond differently differently to our environment that is why we respond differently to people and conversations and relationships and even you know with our relationship uh, with ourselves
0: let me ask you Yvette about another very common one and it's ancestral links what about something like cancer which seems to be a very modern disease Uh, how does that link ancestrally
1: one thing that I noticed about cancer and, and here's the thing about cancer because I've actually been thinking about and doing a video about it and I sat there and I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to do this because there's so many different types of cancer.
0: yeah. And yeah. so
1: when you look at metaphysical anatomy, you'll see that there's more than Thirty types of cancers in there that I wrote about and you'll see the psychosomatic patterns for each of them is almost different Mm -hmm. but one thing that I can tell you that it's all boiled down to is resentment and not having the, the the emotional and psychological boundaries to verbalize your needs and how you feel within a relationship or a dynamic when you look at cancer for example if it's benign or like a tumor or if it's you know the aggressive cancer if it's benign you're looking at invasion issues but if you're looking at a, at a cancer that for example that you know when became aggressive you're looking at you know a situation in your life that's gone completely out of control and you have and you feel whether it's true or not right because sometimes our fears create an illusion and we feel like we've lost control but we actually didn't but if you feel that you've lost control of that situation i find i have found that you know the thousands i stopped counting at six thousand with the thousands of people i've worked with i noticed a, a, a consistency with people that with cancer that they've they've lost control of a situation that they feel that i just don't know what to do anymore and that's where the resentment sets in i know everyone says cancer is all about resentment well that's great but resentment's a symptom you need to you need to look at the reason why the person is feeling resentful and that is what is so incredibly missing in the personal development uh, industry. Everyone is all about symptoms, symptoms, symptoms. Well, no wonder you're chasing a tail. You're like a dog that sees his tail. It's like I'm gonna get it, I'm gonna get it. But you're just too fat to stalk it to get it, and you keep running in a circle. Yeah.
0: Because
1: you're chasing the symptoms. Yeah. What about the actual core reason that caused that symptom? A symptom is just the starting point of an of a complaint. But mm. you've got to see why the person's complaining.
0: Well, I think we could probably talk about ancestral issues for hours because it's so vast and I'm sure your book covers lots of it. Let me ask you about this life problem, which is conception. Now, I know you you talk about conception. How does our different experiences of conception affect illnesses later in life?
1: Again, so, for example, what can happen is it depends on, number one, it depends on the parent's consciousness and awareness and their emotional state what's really important to understand here with what i'm trying to convey is that let's say for example you're looking at someone that was conceived through rape Hmm. now in my studies and what i've noticed with these clients that i've worked with that was conceived through rape you're going to be looking at emotional and psychological patterns of post-traumatic stress disorder they've said it's been, it's been actually said that you cannot be born with it. It's something that you develop later in life. Well, that's nonsense. And I've been saying it for years. And finally, you know, unfortunately, the 9-11 was the big, big moment where they went, okay, well, we're going to take that back. Post-traumatic stress disorder can actually happen before you are born because the mothers who witnessed those Twin Towers that were pregnant, who witnessed the Twin Towers collapsing, they gave birth to children that suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, Look at the way that that child was conceived. If someone, for example, backtracking now back to the rape incident, looking at how that child was conceived, you can be looking at ADD, you can be looking at post-traumatic stress disorder, you can be looking at multiple personality disorder hmm. because of the mother's emotional traumatic state at that time. Can you imagine the impact that it has on the, on the merging of the sperm and the egg and, and the environment that it's in? Because what what's so amazing about that is that we as beings, even 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 as a little blastocyst, we already have an awareness. We have instinctive responses. We don't necessarily have an intellectual brain that we do right now. However, if you look at someone, for example, a study was done where um, you know a, a miscarriage was filmed. Hmm. Uh, sorry, not a miscarriage. Um, abortion was filmed, and the the in, the, the medical um, instrument was inserted. And it, was about to, and it was about to abort the fetus that was less than two months old. It was about to abort it. And you know what it did? It tried to move away from the device that was trying to hook it out. How did that, how did that fetus know that its environment's been invaded and that it was about to die? There is a consciousness already so beautifully aware and conscious of what's going on, even though the intellectual brain is absent that is the amazing, brilliant part about how phenomenally intelligent we actually really are as beings, but because we get so stuck and so involved with our physical experiences and what we see and smell and hear that we kind of forget how to go back within and reconnect to our senses. I mean, call it your sixth sense, call it your intuition. It doesn't matter whatever it is it resonates with you, but you know tapping into that part of you that you can't see, hear, or explain.
0: Um, i've got one more question for you before and then i want to, after that to ask you about the, the trainings you're offering and i know you're going to div- give a meditation for our listeners but before before that i just quickly want to ask you about trauma because it's a huge subject but just very briefly again yes. trauma you've you mentioned post-traumatic stress for pregnancy but what about um just everyday war or violence or this how does that affect us
1: here's the thing let's say for example the war the trauma on a daily basis So you have different types of people. You have the person that just is completely oblivious to it because they just don't care. Because it's not because they actually don't care. I I use that word because that's what I hear other people say. It's just that this person might have actually dissociated so much from what's going on because they've hit the threshold of how much they can emotionally and psychologically process. So what we sometimes perceive in someone as being strong, oh my God, they're so great, look at how much they can handle. I don't think that's a good thing. You know, this is, this Frederick, Frederick guy, I just don't remember his last name, he made this quote where he said, what doesn't break you makes you stronger. Well, I think that's a horrible thing to say, because yeah. if it doesn't break you, no, it doesn't make you stronger. It builds your threshold to endure something that's painful. Now, is that necessarily a good thing? I don't think so, because ultimately what that does is that it numbs you. So... It really depends on our individual levels of emotional and psychological and spiritual thresholds of how much we can handle and take in and digest and process on a daily basis, which is, again, as a result of our ancestral predisposition and and how sensitive we are to certain things. And that's why, you know, for example, watching an explosion of a bomb could be traumatic for you as Steve, but I can sit there and go like, oh, my God, that was awesome. Can we do that again? (laughs) (laughs) You know?
0: Yeah, yeah, Well, amazing. So I was introduced to you by a tie in a cafe in London who said you've got to speak to a vet. She's amazing. She's doing these amazing trainings. Could you just say something about the trainings coming up?
1: Yes, so all my trainings coming up, you know, I have one coming up in November in um, London from the 4th to the 8th. Come if you can because seats are limited because I prefer um, quality over quantity. So my seminars are very intimate. And what we're going to be doing here is literally... Unwind and unprogram all these ancestral, you know, aspects from mom and dad, from you know, grandma and granddad. Because ultimately, every every third generation, I find that you know, dominant traumas and patterns, psychological problems, are repeated. There's so many aspects too that they will be looking at, and also looking at, um, you know, the things that, for example, if you're the first child, whatever it is that your mother did not complete in her life or the lessons that you learned, that's passed down to you. You know, so everything that she didn't complete, you have to complete that. So instead of making that a hard journey, why why not let's speed it up? Looking at also where in the body is trauma is being stored because what's happening is that people are, are, you know, what people do in the personal development industry that I noticed is is um, it's what's called nitpicking. They nitpick. Let's 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 touch on something here in the energy field, let's do something here, let's do something there, and then the body is sitting there and it's like, what do you want me to do? I'm trying to heal with you. I'm trying to cooperate, but you give me all these different instructions that are that I don't understand and relate to. What do you want me to do? And then you, and then at the end of the day, you're you either sitting with someone where they're going to say this is not working for me, or you're going to be sitting with someone that has that's having a healing crisis, complete healing crisis. So, in these techniques and these workshops that I do, I'm going to show you how to look at the body, how to understand when the body is communicating to you, because the body doesn't speak English the way that you and I do. It has its own language, right? And it's our responsibility and understanding and, and, and our desire and willingness to understand what it is that the body is trying to say. And with and within that message, whatever it is that the body is trying to say is to, is to heal with that and work with that. Because what I've learned and noticed is that we store trauma in the limbic system, the reptilian brain, the competition neurons, the mirror neurons, the, the nervous system, the, the physical body, and, and the, the master cell. There's so many aspects. But once you've learned and understand the algorithm, how the body heals, why, and why certain things need to be done in a certain order, not because I'm trying to be fancy. That's actually generally about listening to how the body wants to and needs to heal in order to generally Completely let go of something that just no longer serves your purpose.
0: Now, Yvette, I know you're going to do a meditation around the body meeting the spirit, which I'm very excited about. And uh, so I'm going to pass it over to you to just, um, you know, uh, off you go when you're ready.
1: And so, welcome to the meditation of the body meets the spirit. And now, as you're listening to this, if you're driving, that's okay. It's probably a good idea for you to listen to this meditation afterwards. However, now, I would like you to imagine that you're standing under the water is a bright fluorescent white color. The water is falling on you, washing away everything that you don't need. It is cleansing you and washing away all the stress, clutter and foreign energy particles that do not belong to you such as other people's stress and worries. Feel how this waterfall is washing away all the negativity in your mind body and spirit. The imbalance energy is draining out of your feet back into the earth to be transformed into new positive energy. Feel how all the stress is draining out of Feel the rush of the bright fluorescent water running over your body, washing every single cell in your body. Feel how that water is falling on your head, down your spine, down your legs, into The water is energizing you. It is washing away fatigue, exhaustion, and it's bringing in new life to your adrenals and lungs. During this time, you do not have to do anything. You don't have to go back in time. We're staying here in the present. We're staying here in the now. Now, I invite you to imagine that you are in a place where you feel safe and this can be a beautiful place on the clouds in the forest or even the beach wherever you feel safe now i invite you to see in front of you that there's a beautiful elevator And as you are walking towards the elevator, I invite you to step inside, turn around, and on the left-hand side, you will see on a black panel the number five. And as you're seeing number five, you're starting to feel so beautifully relaxed and calm. And your body is starting to feel lighter. And as that number five turns into number four, your body is starting to release all the tension, feeling that you could breathe easily. Everything is calm, and as that four turns into number three, it's almost like you were this twisted towel that is now unfolding and. Feeling the relief of all those unconscious restrictions that no longer exist. And as three turns into number two, feel that your body is almost made out of air. You're almost drifting in that air very gently. And as two turns into number one, your body starts to transform into a beautiful, bright, white. It feels so soothing and soft. All human experiences and feelings just drops away, just going, going, gone. And as the elevator comes to a stop, those doors change start starts to open. And you're finding yourself just drifting out. And you find yourself in a place where there are no objects, structures, or people. It's a place where time doesn't exist, anything is possible here. You find yourself in the highest vibration of consciousness, a consciousness that is the source of all ancient wisdom, feel yourself just expanding into this beautiful translucent energy and light. You are becoming lighter and lighter and with this lightness comes such a beautiful great sense of freedom, peace and calmness. You're becoming even more aware now that where you are is a place that would almost describe enlightenment. You no longer feel your physical body. You are now free from racing thoughts. Instead, you feel in harmony with all that there is. Any doubts or fears that you had are just going, going, gone. Evapora- evaporating like water on a hot summer's day. Leaving only room for compassion, understanding, innocence, and humbleness. Just be in this place, in this state for a few seconds and allow yourself to remember what it feels like to be connected to the core essence of your soul. Allow your spirit to meet your body so that it can become coherent and decide what is real and what is not. Feel how every single cell in your physical body in the moment, in the present moment, the here and now is waking up it's becoming aware of its magnificence. You are becoming aware that you are all that there is, and that there is just you. You are me, and I am you. God is you, and you are God. Allow yourself to see how beautiful the core essence of who you really truly are is because that core essence definition is perfection. See how your body is just defragmenting and dropping away all ancestral patterns, beliefs, and values that just no longer serves the physical body's purpose. Preserving the positive learnings of everything that is programmed into your DNA lineage. Seeing and observing as how these pieces and fragments that are dropping away just go, go, go. And feeling the relief of the burden and the heaviness of carrying something that just no longer belongs to you. And seeing the physical body transforming into its beautiful true authentic self and its expression, and it's also feeling so at peace with these beautiful changes that are taking place at a very gentle pace. Allowing the soul to understand that the body is here to help the soul to complete its purpose. Because if you, as having your physical experience in the here and now, I invite you to allow yourself to make your body your purpose, because when you, when your body is your purpose, that is when your purpose will start to serve you. I invite you to merge these two beautiful aspects of yourself, ever so gracefully, it. knowing and understanding that your body is here to support you. Your physical body's sole purpose is to serve. I invite you to allow that that realization to sink into every single cell of your body, consciousness and your unconscious mind, all levels of existence. Allowing a beautiful white light around you to just merge with you. It's almost like you're this beautiful caterpillar in a cocoon. And that cocoon is that beautiful white light. And that white light can be any color of your choice. Any color that you resonate with. Any color that matches your frequency. Allow that beautiful white cocoon to hold that beautiful strong space and place for you. For your soul and your body to genuinely, truly meet each other. To understand both Purposes and to become coherent and alignment with why you are here today. Allowing that beautiful realization of presence ever so gently sink into your brain, your mind, your body, your heart, your arms, your legs, every single cell. I invite you to remember why you are here I invite you to remember why you have this body and while these beautiful realizations are taking place on a conscious and unconscious level and even if you feel that I don't know what this is supposed to feel like I invite you to let it go your body and your soul knows exactly now what it needs to do and I invite you to give it that beautiful place and space and time that it needs to in order to do and fulfill its purpose. And now I invite you to turn around wherever it is that you feel and find yourself in this visualization standing. And as you're turning around you're seeing that beautiful elevator again. And those doors are opening up with such a a beautiful, inviting invitation for you to step back inside. And as you step into the elevator, again, you will see a screen on the left-hand side and it shows you the number five. And as you are looking at that number five, you're starting to ever so gently become more aware of your physical body. And as that five turns into number four, your body starts to feel calm and so peaceful. And as four turns into number three, any remaining tension in your body is releasing, letting go and releasing, resolving and 3 turns into number 2. Your body is starting to feel in sync and coherent with your soul and all that there is. Remembering that you are the expression of life itself because there's a starting point to everything in life and you are part of that starting point right from the beginning of time. And you are the expression of that. And as two turns into number one, your body starts to radically transform, and it's merging fully with your body. You are your soul, and your soul is your body. Let it flow. Let it be. Let it flow. Let it be. And so. And now the doors are opening, and you are stepping back inside, outside of the elevator, to where you were before we started. And I invite you to just stay in this beautiful moment, a moment that is now part of your daily life and practice. And I invite you to let go of any need to control this process. Your body is programmed to help you to survive, and your soul is here to guide you allow this process to unfold naturally recognize that your body is here to help you to move forward in life it is meant to work with soul. it takes teamwork to make a dream work and as you continue your day and you sleep at night your body and mind and spirit will continue to heal emotionally physically and spiritually you will feel ready to wake up from a life that has been programmed into your ancestry and personal life. And you will feel free from feeling controlled and dominated by expectations that no longer belongs to you. And when you open your eyes, not yet, but in a moment, you will see the world through the eyes of someone who is coherent and in harmony with your body and spirit,
0: remembering
1: your true authentic self and when you are ready you can gently open your eyes and walk